You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. What's going on, Dark Knight friends and family? Welcome back to another smashing episode of the Eternal Night Podcast, where we like to talk about everything related to Batman detective comics and, you know, dark and detective. Uh, as you all know, I am Philip. I am one of your hosts, and I am also joined by my usual co-host, Craig Blaylock. Craig, how you doing, man? Doing good. Time is drawing near. It's getting closer and closer. It is. It is it is getting very close. We are just now a couple weeks away from 
seeing the Batman. Uh, as you know, tickets went on sale like as of today for the general audience and showings for you know this upcoming weekend, not this upcoming weekend, but the weekend movie releases. So that's uh, Thursday, March 3rd through uh, Sunday, March 6th, just about three weeks away from now. Um, but guess what, folks? If you, anyone, for anyone listening, if you've been paying attention, you know that there's going to be a fan-first screening happening on March 1st, and Craig and I both got tickets to that. Yes, sir. I am so excited. I was I was freaking out because when you sent me the message saying you got yours, I'm like, all right, well, time to hop on mine and see what I can do. And I got on there, and I'm sitting there on Fandango. I'm on March 1st, and I'm just clicking it. Every time it's like, oh, these tickets aren't available right now, but they will be soon, so please check back. I'm like, what? Ah, Phil already got his. Why is it not available yet? And then eventually I gave up for a little bit, went back about an hour later, and then no problem, was able to click on it and get my ticket. So I'm happy. As you should be, yeah. You know, I actually feel kind of bad about this. I, I fiddled my time at work, and I just bought my ticket right when in there, when in there it was available. So <laughs> um, lucky me, I suppose. But when I found out that they were doing the fan first screen, I obviously just couldn't, you know, could not pass up the opportunity to do so so yeah. i'm seeing it at seven o'clock my time um and also you know for anyone who has been listening again we appreciate it very very much you guys can give us a follow on podbean you can also follow us on twitter instagram i'm pretty sure that's where both of our main social feeds are as well as facebook um, our last episode was actually almost a month ago. That's Batmania 2022. Crazy. Yeah, I know. We've been very, very busy. It's been quite a month for the both of us, hasn't it, Craig? Yes, it's been, on my end, it's been lots of stuff, a lot of changes happening at my work, a lot of stuff getting moved around, a lot of fluctuation. Um, then we got hit with a pretty nasty snowstorm last week, which pretty much shut down the state of Missouri for a couple days. So it was, it's been a month but we're getting through it. I heard supposedly we're supposed to be getting more snow in like a week. I'm just hoping it's not to the degree of what we got hit with last week because that was brutal. That's pretty nuts. I mean, you know, I've, I've been dealing with a move myself, you know, also yeah. just kind of getting out of the funk of two jobs because that was taking up a lot of my time. And yeah, you know, between with the move and having a lot of my equipment just kind of stored away for a little while has been making things kind of more difficult, especially with like keeping up with certain things because you know we've missed out on not really missed out. We we've in in the time since Craig and I have recorded our last episode, there has been uh, two soundtrack drops, but from Michael Giacchino, uh, mm-hmm. the Batman theme and the Riddler theme. I'm sure we'll also talk, we'll talk about a little bit about those. Uh, Matt Reeves is for sure going on the pre- like not only Matt Reeves but everyone in the cast and crew is going along with their um, press touring so people are really starting to talk about the movie which is cool yeah and from what I've been seeing I mean obviously we don't know a whole lot yet but the little bit we have been seeing is it seems like it's getting a pretty positive reception so far um, according to a rumor site that I just saw just mere minutes ago Apparently, WB is so confident in this that they are going to apparently screen it for critics tonight. Oh, wow. Okay. So we might be having, like, uh, review ratings here soon, then. Not even review ratings, just early... Impressions. Twitter impressions, you know, no spoilers, just straight-up first impressions of the movie. Yeah. Maybe. But, you know, time will tell. Um Going back to the two themes, I think the one I listen to more is probably the Riddler theme. 
That is probably, yeah. I mean, I really, really love the, the main theme, but that Riddler theme is something else. It really is. It's very twisted. It's almost tragic at, at some points, too. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's going to be some attempt at humanization there for the character of Edward Nashton, played by Paul Dono. I think so, because like you and I have spoken about in our episodes about the trailers, it really seems that the Riddler in this movie is motivated. He wants to expose something that he has found out about Gotham City. And there has to be some kind of, I don't want to say vendetta, but there's some kind of something that has hit him personally that makes him, that is driving him to do everything that he's doing in the film. So I do think we are going to see, even though we are going to see this very probably dark and very twisted version of the Riddler, I think they are going to try to show us, they're going to try to get us to humanize with him. I think that's very much going to be the case. I don't at all expect this version of the Riddler to be cracking jokes, and if he does, it's going to be very, maybe ominous, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think the... The closest, I mean, if you think about all the trailers we've seen, the closest that you could maybe say we got to even, I wouldn't even call it humor, but the closest we got was the, oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. And even then, I wouldn't say that was humorous. It's more of him just kind of that personality of I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. He's got that going for him, too. I can't wait to see that. I'm very excited to see this movie. I've been waiting for it since it's been announced and started. Um, yeah. You know, you and I talked a little bit about how this movie, you know, it, it, it it's kind of a caveat movie in, in a certain way because it did come at the expense of Ben Affleck no longer wanting to occupy the role of Batman. Yeah. And I remember when, I feel like, I think we talked about this before, that the reception of Pattinson being announced as Batman got some flack, but I don't think it was nearly to the degree of what we saw with um, actors like Ben Affleck or um, or like Heath Ledger for the Joker back in the Dark Knight days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Pattinson's probably had like the least amount of pushback. Yeah as far as any Batman actor I've seen get cast. Or, I mean, there was a little bit of backlash, but not nearly enough. It, like, you know, when Affleck got cast or when, you know... I don't know that I paid much attention when Christian Bale got cast. I don't know if he had any backlash. I know Michael Keaton I don't for think sure so. had some. I don't, I don't think people really... I think with Bale at that time, he was... I mean, he was known for American Psycho. I knew him from one of my favorite sci-fi movies, Equilibrium. But other than that, nobody really knew Christian Bale too much. So I think when he got announced for the role, I think people were kind of just like, ah, don't really know the guy, so don't really know what I can say about him. I think my first interaction with Christian Bale was Batman Begins. Oh, okay. Yeah, come to think of it, I think that was the very first time I ever saw Bale as an actor was Batman Begins. Uh, My first was Equilibrium, and then um, he was in a, I guess you would kind of say a pseudo- horror movie uh the machinist not really horror though more yeah. psychological horror yeah yeah i know what the one you're talking about uh he's been in quite a few films since uh 
you know, even after the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And, then, and, you know, Affleck, he went through a journey of sorts, and I know he signed on for a very specific take on Batman, as, you know, any actor would. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really funny to me, even just kind of reflecting now on, like, the expectations of what people wanted out of the DC Extended Universe following what happened with Batman versus Superman, as opposed to what Zack Snyder had initially intended to do with five movies. And, you know, I understand now in a post-Marvel world where the Marvel Cinematic Universe essentially reigns supreme at the box office in mm-hmm. terms of like, and it, you know, it reigns supreme, but it also kind of set the bar of what Hollywood aims for right now, like big superhero interconnected franchises. And, you know, if you look at the way that WB has been making superhero movies, which is ironic because Kevin Feige models the majority of the MCU off of Superman the movie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's essentially it got Warner Brothers godfathered the superhero genre in some small sense, yet at the same time they've almost single-handedly dismantled their extended universe by, yeah. by extension because they want it to be like the very thing they initially created in the first place, which is kind of weird to think about. But it's just like, you know, what Marvel has done is they've modernized this this just poppy, happy, humorous take on superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the thing that people gravitate towards. It's, you know, it also has to encompass whether or not there are good stories being told. Because <laughs> it's funny, because how many people do you often see talk about how much they dislike something like Venom or some of the later X-Men movies or even some of the DC extended universe. They, and, and it always goes back to Marvel studios at some point. Yeah. To some extent. And it, I find that very, very funny. And it's really funny to me when I think about how much success Warners would have had, they would have just really stuck to their guns like Marvel studios did in the early phase of their universe building. Let Zack Snyder do what he did and they would have been fine, rebooted their universe, and they would have been all done and ready and probably recast Batman and Superman where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've talked about it in the past. Is I, I think we're getting to this make it or break it point, and I really think that this Flash movie is going to, in terms of what their goals seem to be for this DC Extended Universe, I really think a lot is writing on this Flash movie with how it's seeming that he's going to be going through different time periods, uh, possibly, you know, alternate universes or whatever their plan is for this Flash movie. I really think this is going to be the point where they're either going to start getting it going into some kind of coherent direction or it's just going to fall apart. Honestly, it's frustrating to think about because... For me, when ba- it was funny because a lot of people like to talk about the negative reception of Batman v Superman, and they always cite the Rotten Tomato score. Yet no one ever wants to bring up the audience score. Yeah. Yet they also turn around and talk about the bad word of mouth and how the audience drop was really bad in the second week. But at the same time, it's like, well, how can that be the case if audiences liked it as opposed to the critics? Also, mm-hmm. I get really frustrated when people say oh, it's a failure because it didn't make a billion dollars. It's just like, yeah, not every superhero movie needs to make a billion dollars. Not only that, Batman and Superman, Batman, yeah, he made a billion on his own, but at the same time, that was a very different take on the character. It was a very from a very established, popular director and what he did with yes. you know, the second film. And the second film, just on its own standard, 
was a really solid movie. Not only that, it would be egregiously disgusting to try and trash talk that film in the wake of an actor passing away, right? Yeah. Whereas, I remember, and I'm sure you do too, and I doubt people even remember this, but there was almost a targeted hate campaign against Batman v Superman. Oh, yeah. Like, people had teeth and forks knives out for that film simply because it was being made opposite after the Avengers. Mm -hmm. And simply because they weren't doing things the way that Marvel did them. And because, you know, well, there wasn't another Man of Steel movie. Oh, there wasn't another Batman movie before this. Oh, why is Wonder Woman being... And it's just like, you know, all these really just... I'm going to move the goalposts to get to the my point to justify why I don't want to watch this movie. Yeah. And it really just feels like people just wanted to bitch about that movie up until the point where that movie came out and they still complained about it because oh, it their, wasn't... their minds were made up months before the movie came out. Mm -hmm. Not only that, I'm pretty sure like a large portion of it leaked online, like plot-wise, like mm -hmm. details of the plot for sure came out from <laughs> a very what people might call reliable, I'd call asinine yeah you know <laughs> yeah. Cred credible people you know whatever but regardless like you know, people really had it out for that movie and i just find it really unfortunate that when it comes to adapting these characters you know there, there are just some nerds out there who are just like well it's got to be like this or i don't give a shit and it's just like well what's the point why am i even gonna bother entertaining your opinion on the co on the concept then yeah it, it reminded me uh, honestly it reminded me a lot of and again that this I honestly think this is kind of a interesting look at it is uh, the 2016 uh, Ghostbusters movie. Mm -hmm. That thing was getting destroyed the second the first trailer came out. I mean, the hate towards that movie was unbelievable. And me being, for those that don't know, Ghostbusters 1984 is my personal favorite movie of all time. I'll never have another favorite movie besides that. And I went into it, I was like, eh, maybe it looks fine. I don't think it's going to be amazing, but I think it's going to be okay. But man, the hatred, I mean, it led to, I think several of the cast ended up quitting their social media because of the amount of just mm -hmm. absolute vile things that were getting thrown at them. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, you haven't seen the film yet. You're just, you're going at this thing like it is the worst thing to ever happen to you, and yet it is a it's a film and i'm just i'm baffled by it it's baffling because there are legitimately worse movies made there are 100 percent. there, there are <laughs> wor by every textbook definition standard there are worse movies made for worse reasons i mean i mean no disrespect to halle berry as an actress she's got a very fine career mm -hmm. but the movie catwoman like you, you're really gonna sit Horrendous. here and tell me with a straight face that batman v superman yeah. is worse than catwoman look I can tolerate a lot of the X-Men movies, hell. I would probably watch Apocalypse over Catwoman. Because Catwoman was a movie just made to kind of maybe try and attempt to capitalize off an IP in some mm -hmm. backwards way. Because it had absolutely almost SFA to do with the character of Catwoman. Yep. Right? Or, yep. or even like, what's another one I can, I can think of? Um, another one that just came to mind. Electra. Oh, yeah. I love Oof. Jennifer Gardner as Electra in Daredevil. Yeah. I love the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. I love the director's cut of that movie. I do. And I even kind of like the theatrical cut to some extent, right? But 
I remember watching the Electra movie with my older cousin and just thinking, like, this is not very entertaining. Mm -mm. It's very dull. It's very dull, you know? And I don't know. I remember just being really stoked for Batman v Superman, but then also at the same time, like, that was the movie that really taught me to not only level expectations, but really just kind of keep an open mind about real world things. You know, yeah. like from that point, even when Affleck was cast, I had thoughts, I had dreams like, yeah, it'd be cool if he had a Robin. It'd be cool if he had a Nightwing. It'd be cool mm -hmm. if he had a couple Batgirls. It'd be cool if there'd be a Damian Wayne somewhere down the line. That's not what they wanted to do. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to sit there and get mad about it. I'm not going to sit there and cross my arms and be like, they don't know what they're doing because that's just pretentious. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, man. Yeah, the amount of... I remember that when the film came out. The amount of YouTube channels and articles of Batman v Superman, worst superhero movie of all time, and I just roll my eyes and go, you've, you've got to be kidding me. There are so many other worse films out there than this. I mean, it's just really... It's unfortunate. It's just really unfortunate. And it's funny because, like, you know the pissing match between the two, Marvel and DC, it still continued. I, re I distinctly remember when Man of Steel came out and there was the, 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 the destruction argument between Man of Steel and the Avengers. Oh, and yikes. people people consistently defended the Avengers of, oh, yep. they contained it to two blocks. Oh, yeah. they wrote... And it's just like, yeah. guys, destruction is destruction. People are yep. still held accountable for it. Let's Let's stop trying to defend which one, quote, did it better, unquote. Oh, yeah, you know, I can't believe that Ben Affleck's Batman is killing a couple thugs in a warehouse, whereas, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron opens with them just massacring this this army. They're killing so many people. And the thing is, like, Affleck didn't murder those traffickers. No. He, bur he branded one, yeah. but he for sure, like, you know, blew a couple up in the, in the yeah. car chase, like, all admit that mm -hmm. but even then like alfred calls him on it he's like new rules mm -hmm. and bruce outright says we're criminals alfred nothing's yeah. changed like he's he's not even accepting or towing the line that he wants to be a vigilante in that movie he mm -hmm. straight up calls himself a criminal yeah because by every textbook definition of vigilantism that is criminal activity which is why i am interested to see pattinson's batman and how he is going to affect gotham because i didn't get a chance to read the article i just happened to see a headline of i guess pattinson during one of these interviews that they're doing um he was quoted as saying something along the lines of like my batman is is a detriment to gotham mm. he is doing more damage than good mm. which i found to be a very interesting take so it makes me really wonder how brutal is this Batman going to be? I'm not sure, honestly. I mean, his version of Batman seems very driven by yeah. some very deep-seated... Something very deep. And honestly, his portrayal just seems very visceral. Yeah. I mean, when I... when I, we, I he, he was also noted as saying, like, um, something to the effect of his version of Bruce Wayne is kind of a weirdo. I'm like, oh, you're okay. You're like me. That's cool. Yeah, but he, um, 
when I think like what what does that mean? Like how exactly is his Batman going to be weird? How how exactly is his Bruce Wayne going to be weird? Like what what is it what what does that really look like? You know what I mean? Like I'm very curious to see just how drastically different he plays the character as opposed to the last six actors who have. Mhm. But time will tell. I'm very excited to see that movie. I am very very excited to see that movie i'm trying to steer clear of a lot of the promotional footage like there's a lot of promo stuff coming out for it now since the movie is mere weeks away like yeah i'm staying i'm staying away from all of it i i will watch the official trailers and like uh i said in the one episode where we talked about the international trailer i watched that everything else i'm staying away from yeah i've i've seen two other smaller trailers they they have a little bit of new footage but nothing outright major nothing to get really tissy over but um there's also been a lot of promotional artwork and posters out for it as well um i know theater chains are gonna have like you know popcorn buckets in the in the shape of his cowl to have oh interesting yep um i think even the fan first screening that we're going to there might be some kind of like comic attached to it i don't know i don't i don't remember Mm. i might have just skimmed that through one of the articles that i read but yeah we'll see I should go to the Little Caesars and get one of those bat calzones. <laughs> I saw the commercial for that the other day. <laughs> like, I really want the box and the, and the, and the posters that they have. <laughs> yeah. I'm jealous of my buddy Mike. He got one or both. Oh, nice. So I should probably venture out to Little Caesars and get one at some point tonight. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So here, this is the quote I was looking for. Um, So Pattinson was saying, uh, but this thing he's doing, it's not even working. Pattinson was quoted uh, like it's two years into it. And the crime has gotten worse since Bruce started being Batman. The people of Gotham think that he's just another symptom of how shit everything is. I mean, that makes sense. That is I'm really interested to see that because most of the time we see it as, you know, the city looking at him as, oh, he's a vigilante, but he's doing good things. This looks like this time around, the city is very much like, no, you are part of the problem. Well, I think even Riddler kind of calls it out throughout, yeah. you know, a lot of the promotional footage we've seen up until this point. Like, you know, he says, you're a part of this, too. That's been one consistent thing that's been prominent throughout each trailer. Yeah. So, very legendary. Very legendary, indeed. Speaking of legendary. <laughs> so... We are going to do our third volume of Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight. For anyone who's been following along, there have been two prior. We are on our third volume now. And of course, after that, we'll probably also have time to talk about Batman the Animated Series, episode Nothing to Fear. Yes, indeed. But this has been a long time coming. We've been trying to get this one done for about a month now. Yeah. (laughs) Took me a while to get a good list this time. The last two, I got them pretty quickly. This time I had to do some more kind of soul searching and really thinking about like what moments have really stood out to me, you know, throughout all the years that I've been watching, reading everything Batman. Mm -hmm. But I think I finally got myself a a good list here. I've got a pretty solid list as well. I mean, the last two I kind of had to really think on. Matter of fact, the last one came the last time try to record the sentence (laughs) (laughs) oh yes right yeah Yeah. so um you know i I guess that said i'll probably just kick us off with with my number five as as anyone know for anyone listening unless this is your first time listening we uh we have a thing we do legendary moments of the dark knight and that's throughout his throughout batman's canonical history be it on film 
television, animation, comics, whatever, uh, Craig and I have picked five moments that we'll just exchange back and forth and add it to the list. Uh, volumes one and two. Um, volume two was, I think, episode eight? No, I think you're I'm, right. just, I'm just going to pull up the Podbean list because that has it up there. Because our show is on Podbean. Um, episode 11. Okay, so episode 11 was Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight Volume 2. And then the first one was episode 5. And I believe this will be episode... I think we're on uh, 16 now. 16, yes. Yes, this is episode 16. So yeah, there you have it. Episode 16, Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight, Volume 3. Uh, my number five is the exchange between Batman and the Red Hood. Basically, the entirety of the fight between Batman and Red Hood and Under the Red Hood. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. With, with uh, Bruce Greenwood as Batman, Jansen Ackles as Red Hood. Um, that you know that that whole fight when it comes to a close and you know Jason kicks the helmet off and and Batman says Jason and Jason says yes like being confronted with his second most greatest failure in turn in you know from what the way they ward it in that movie just that whole exchange the way it ends with the Joker everything about it I just adore like I think it is probably some of the most finest interactions between some very established Batman characters that you could ever do so yeah yeah that's my number five batman batman versus the red hood and under the red hood yeah i really liked that 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 episode that whole movie really just kind of stands out in terms of all of these animated dc movies we've been seeing over what the last uh you'd say like 12-ish years mm-hmm. um it's funny because they started going I feel like after that one and after about a couple more they started really going into the more focused DC animated universe with the recurring characters and kind of like keeping the plot lines intertwined and it's kind of a shame that they did that and I, I am glad that like you know starting with the long Halloween and uh, the, what was the Superman movie uh, Unchained was it something Unbound. like that Superman Unbound. Unbound it seems like they're starting to go back in that direction where the animated movies are going to be their kind of own thing every time because i i liked that i liked that under the red hood was its own storyline and just kind of summed itself up and there was no need to kind of continue with those versions of those characters and yet they still went back to that well with the death of the family choose your own adventure line that came out about two years ago you know i never did watch that i didn't i never decided to give that a crack it's got some interesting ideas um the execution is a little questionable but at, at the same time i think it homages a lot of very deep comics in a in a fun way i don't think it was a waste of time but i definitely think there could have been other things that they could have done hmm. like okay. i enjoyed it but i think my biggest letdown is they didn't get um jansen ackles to reprise the role as red hood in that oh that is a shame yeah it was a bit of a shame all right. Well, um, my number five uh, for our legendary moments for volume three is uh, actually a comic one. Um, as those who have been listening to our show, I'm 
gradually getting myself back into reading comics after, you know, what, probably almost 20 years of not reading them. Um, so I've got like, I'm catching up on like everything that I've been missing. And um, what stood out for me uh, from what I have been reading um, was the attack on Wayne Manor from the Court of Owls. Um, I really dug just the whole concept of the Court of Owls and what they did to Bruce in that storyline. You really see Batman just put through the ringer in this. And it was really refreshing to see because it wasn't it wasn't a typical villain. It wasn't Two-Face. It wasn't Joker. It was this evil kind of behind-the-scenes group that, I mean, kudos to um, Snyder and Capullo for doing this storyline. Just really just this sense of dread throughout the whole thing and to see... Bruce really pushed to his limits and then the attack on Wayne Manor itself where he, Alfred, you know, they're trying to fight off these uh, talons that are attacking the manor Mm -hmm. and just the very distinctive look of the art and just very gives it this like almost like a horror movie vibes, like a home invasion of sorts. And then uh, my favorite part of it is when he, uh, Bruce, appears in this like this big ass mech suit basically and just starts going to town on all these talons and uh alfred reminds him he's like hey these things they're kind of they're people but they're kind of like living dead in a way and bruce uh i've got the quote here he just goes all right good i can play rough for once and he just electrocutes this one talent to just dust basically mm-hmm. and it's just yeah it was uh, i really liked it really great moment i haven't read that book since it came out yeah it's been, it's been almost it's been almost 10 years since i've read that matter of fact it's 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 on it's a it's either a le- it's either it's 10 or 11th anniversary it, sorry yeah yeah because i think the book the comics were coming out in 2011 but the trade for that story came out in 2012 yeah so it would be about 10 years cool yeah i remember reading that story and i think it's like the Hellbat suit or something like that yeah, I was trying to find what the name of the suit actually was, and I couldn't find anything. But it's pre- it's pretty rad. Yeah, Batman, like the, what Skyder, what Snyder and Capullo did with that entire run mostly is just nothing short of it. pretty spectacular. I mean, the the Bunny Bot stuff in Volume Eight, where Gordon's Batman is a little questionable, but yeah, um, that early stuff, the Court of Owls, that that was probably some of the most refreshing Batman storytelling I had read in a long time. Yeah. Um. And I, I enjoyed it. Maybe we'll we'll do a read through or a review of Court of Owls at some point down the line. Makes you really wonder what could be uh, possibly hinted at with uh, Court of Owls if they are somehow going to be involved in the upcoming film. I'd be shocked if a version of the Court of Owls winds up being in the Batman. I would be genuinely shocked if that were to be the case. But... Um... I do think, you know, it's funny, my next one is actually one Pattinson himself did cite as seeing. Um, Robert Pattinson did go on to say that he has seen every Batman film in a theater, which... Oh, nice. You know, the more he talks about Batman, the more I'm, I'm very appreciative of him playing the character, because it really feels like he, he, he tried really hard to really understand the psych of this character to some extent. Hmm. 
So he did cite um, my number four is is from Mask of the Phantasm, and it's when Bruce is at his parents' grave, and he's just basically grieving, yeah, grieving, grieving the choice of like you know can I still do this or can I be happy? He says, it, but please, I need it to be different now. I didn't yep. count on being happy. Yeah, that is, that is one of the most heartbreaking quotes. Yeah. I think I've ever seen. And actually that's ironic because that was originally in my five legendary moments here. And it, I replaced it with one other one at the last minute. That is such a great moment, but again, tragic at the same time. Yeah, it really is because he's so just torn on wanting to be something that you know his parents could be proud of but at the same time taking into consideration the thing he's doing could very well also be in that same light it's just it's it's gut-wrenching the fact that like he takes it as he feels like if he's to just go on and live a quote-unquote normal life and be happy with a woman that he's in love with he feels like he's letting his parents down and that is just that's heartbreaking it is it is just absolutely one of the one of the, one of the saddest but most emotional moments yes in in his in his, in his canonical history mm-hmm. that's why i put it up there because it's it's also probably one of the most defining yeah absolutely all right well my next legendary moment uh is from the 89 batman film and it is a single quote Excuse me. Have you ever danced with the devil by the pale moonlight? Thwack! <laughs> uh, Batman uh, just beating the crap out of the Joker and just using his own line against him uh, at the finale of the film. Um, that whole the, the whole scene, honestly, leading up to that, uh, him working his way up the, uh, the bell tower while mm-hmm. Joker is just goofily dancing around with Vicky Vale, and you can just tell she's just so out of it she's just been run through the ringer with this clown and (laughs) jokers or uh batman's just making his way up and he's having all these fights and he's just beating the crap out of all these goons he has that one great moment where you the goon thinks that he like fell off and he goes to look over batman grabs him with his feet puts him head first into the bell and just sends him falling to his death can you say that one more time batman sent someone to their death Yes, yes, <laughs> Batman killed somebody. What do you know? In 1989, go no shit. Yeah, really? didn't didn't uh, surprisingly, you know, he didn't pull out his grappling hook and try to save the guy in any way. Nah, he just smacked that guy into the bell, and he just sent him falling to his doom. <sighs> and then just, so and then when he arrives, and he says that quote, and then just. That's the only kind of downer part about it was, but I get it. I mean, it was Jack Nicholson, so I mean, he's not, he's not going to be pulling any moves on, you know. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that that whole exchange between the two of them, where Batman just taps him on the shoulder and goes, "Excuse me, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?" and just cold cocks Whack, Jack, yeah, just right boom, in the gut, just right in the just boom, <laughs> and then Joker's like, you know, they kind of have a little bit of exchange, and then jo- and Batman goes, "I made you." You made me first, and Joker goes, yeah. "You idiot! Yeah. You made me!" <laughs> I love, I love his delivery of that line because it's just so over the top and ham, but it's so, 
unchained and unhinged because you know it's 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 true like they made each other and that's why i'm even okay with wait for it that creative change to batman's Mm -hmm. mythology on film yep and i liked how the more he gets beat up the more desperate joker gets to the point where he does the whole you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses would you you? and he just punches him again Or, you know, I st- I'm i still, like, even to this day, the first time I ever watched that movie, this is also, I'd watch this after Batman Forever. So it was kind of like going back in oh, time, wow. right? So nice. In a weird way. So the thing that still creeped me out to this day is when, and it's something Tim Burton is just superbly good at, is he, he, he spins the camera around, like, Jack's dead body, and you just hear that that wicked laugh, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just repeating over it, and over. Again. It's repeating over and over, but it's also repeating in a very circular kind mm-hmm. of sound, right? Yeah. So it's even weirder when the camera does, and it's just so oh oh, like mm-hmm. I love that, like I do, but man, that 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 exchange between the two of them, that final confrontation, is is nothing short of pretty spectacular. I I will yeah. agree. Yeah. Um. Oh, I got another one that I think you're going to enjoy. But my my number three, I don't know if I can even count this yet because I haven't quite experienced it in the way it was supposed to be experienced. But I still think it kind of counts. Um, okay. It's 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 the Batman. It's it's Pattinson's. It's it's Pattinson's yeah. one single line delivery. The I'm one. Li- yes, exactly. <laughs> what the hell are you supposed to be? And he just clowns this goon right yeah like bust it breaks his arm whatever and just like puffs his chest up on him while he's down and bleeding goes i'm vengeance mm-hmm. like that's probably like that was the moment where I, okay okay he's batman yep that was the moment i i was i think i told you this when we saw that trailer for the first time that was the moment where everyone who was hating on pattinson leading up to this everyone shut up mm-hmm. everyone went oh okay yeah he's batman yeah yeah that that one scene just and even like the the, the amount of times he hits him i can just hear it in my head dude like yeah <laughs> the just the you overall... hear bones cracking yeah. as he's punching him and he just i'm vengeance <laughs> and then i think the 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 real just like you know cherry on top is he punches the guy, I mean, just nonstop. Dude falls to the ground, and he waits for, like, half a second. And then he rears his arm up again and just gives him a couple more thwacks just for good measure. Yeah, right. And you're just like, whoa, my God. <laughs> and, he, and as he falls and Batman watches him fall, he just kind of gets down. And you just hear it again. Whap, whap. Yeah. And it's like, damn. He ain't getting up anytime soon. Mm-mm. That's the moment, too, where you just you immediately your head starts filling up with like, man, what are these fight scenes going to be like? Um, So three for me is uh, from another film, but it's the uh, from the Nolan trilogy. Uh, It's from Batman Begins. And it is uh, towards the end of that film where um, Bruce faces off against Ra's al Ghul. They're on the train and. Roz, uh, he finally gets the best of Roz as they're fighting on the train and the train is heading towards, you know, the rail or the uh, railway has been taken out. So they're eventually going to be crashing to their death. Roz looks at him and says, you know, have you finally learned what to uh, have you 
have you finally learned to do what is necessary? And uh, Bruce looks at him and he goes, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Busts open the back, makes his way out, flies out of uh, the back. And Roz goes plummeting to his death. And a lot of people say, like, well, he did technically kill him. To me, I just look at that and I go, he didn't kill him. He left Roz to suffer the consequences of his actions is what he did. He let that man (laughs) deal with what he had to go through. And I I just I really liked it. I like the way he he delivers it and the way he just kind of makes that bat form as he flies out the back. It's just great scene. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's another funny one where people got kind of got up in arms like, oh, he killed Ray's all ghoul. And it's like, nah, nah, nah. He left him to his own devices. And it's it's clear as day. Like Liam, you watch Liam Neeson close his own eyes. He very well mm-hmm. could have escaped if he really wanted to. He, he could have tried. He didn't. Like Batman straight up made the decision to be like, I'm not saving a criminal. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Yeah. Like I, I, I've seen countless other versions of Batman just do the same thing like completely yeah. disregard what happens to the fate of a goon like mm-hmm. or you know even just anybody i mean how many times has the joker fallen to his death or fallen in you know in, an, in what seems to be an inescapable trap right yeah like bfd <laughs> yeah he looks at it and he goes ah, i could have done i could have tried to save him but these are the consequences of his actions so i'm gonna let him deal with that and it's so funny too because people prop you know 89 and returns or sorry 89 and begins up as like these holy grails of like standard batman of how you should be batman or how you need or how batman should be on film and it's just like okay but you're saying like it's okay for he for him to kill there but when he does it in another movie it's it's not cool Mm -hmm. yeah there's a word for that it's called hypocrisy yeah so it's a it's a never-ending thing as long as batman is going to ever be around this argument will never end. Never. No. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it, it ain't ever going to end. No. You could get you could get a movie, you know, let's just let's just hypothesize, you know, the Batman. Pattinson doesn't kill a single goon, but maybe the Riddler dies in some way and Batman had a chance to save him. Mm. And people are going to turn around and go, well, he let he killed the Riddler. It's like, ah, there's no pleasing anyone. And I think we might have even talked about this. There's very well possibility that the Riddler might not make it after yeah. this movie. And, you know. As much as I don't want it to happen, it there's a very good chance that that could be the case. Yeah, and if you're really into you know this kind of stuff, films that may or may not have happened or could have not have ha- could or could not have happened, uh, the Riddler was one of the villains that was for sure going to be in. Ben Affleck's version of his film, along with Deathstroke, Batgirl, because that version of the Riddler was apparently going to be in the Injustice League, Legion of Doom, whatever that was supposed to be, you know, the predominant force, driving force mm-hmm. behind Justice League 2 and collecting the mother boxes, etc., etc., right? Like, the Riddler was supposed to be the one who solved the mother box. Like, he was solved the equation oh. of the mother box. Like, that was his, his deal, right? Like, he's the one who figured out the anti-life equation. He's the one who leads Batman on this goose chase, and then he tells Batman time to solve the last role, and then he kills himself. Like, that's that was the intention of mm. what the Riddler was supposed to do there. I don't know what 
the what what the end game for the Riddler is by the end of this movie. Like I'm I'd be very curious to see if these characters will evolve and it, it kind of sounds like they will and I'm hoping that is the case, but it sounds like these characters are going to, you know, they're in their like final cocoon stages of who they are meant to be. If that makes any sense like cuz obviously yeah, that makes you know, sense. You know, this Batman is in, is in his second year of crime fighting. His suit is very much, I wouldn't say cobbled together, but it is very much, like, put together and in the process of being, you know, still, like, it's still a work in progress. It's very zero year to some extent or another. It's also a little bit of Earth One to some extent, too. Um, but I also feel like there's, there's potential there because it feels like, you know, the Penguin is kind of on the cusp of just being irritated of being like lower muscle and what probably wants to make a step in that crime Lord direction. Because mm-hmm. Car- Carmine Falcone is also going to be in this movie. Selena Kyle, obviously, you know, there's a lot of, it looks like there's going to be a large part of for her in this movie in terms of the relationship with Batman as well. So I really do feel like these characters are going to evolve in some way by the end of the movie. I think so. I think the events of, especially after that last trailer where you see those, all those explosions going around the city and mm-hmm. what looks like a giant flood that's going to hit Gotham, these characters are going to get fundamentally changed from the events of this film. Correct. Yeah. And it's funny because while Reeves has said this isn't quite year one, he did cite that year one was some of the inspiration for this, and my number two is from year one. Oh, nice. So my number two is actually going to be um it's it's the conversation where he impedes where batman impedes and breaks in on the dinner that all of the corrupt big individuals of gotham are having he cuts the power drops a smoke bomb in puts a fire out with the top of the the dish that they had right and he tells them you've eaten well you've eaten gotham's wealth it's spirit but your feast is nearly over from this moment on none of you were safe mm. yeah i haven't got i haven't got to that point yet but i have seen bits and pieces of it and that sounds <laughs> that sounds that it sounds like something to give you goosebumps oh dude it, <laughs> it between this dark knight returns and i would say dark knight master race there's a solid trilogy there for frank miller's batman but even this like batman year one is like the almost i would say the near perfect baseline for any intro batman modern style you name it like there's a reason why nolan took inspiration from it there's very clear nods in some visual capacity to it in the batman um i think even i would even say Zack snyder to some extent kind of follows it so even kind of in the cowl like there's a little bit of your one cowl and affleck's cowl i would say yeah from the art that i've seen yeah i would agree with that it's a fun story um, the animated movie is a near perfect adaptation of it, as in it is a panel to page literal adaptation. Like you, you could watch mm. the movie, turn the page. It's it's neck and neck, almost the same same way. That is that's on HBO Max, isn't it? I think so. Um, I'm gonna have to check it out. Ben McKenzie is the voice of Batman, and um, Brian Cranston is Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have I've. My first day off in five days is tomorrow. I think I'm going to take some time and watch that. Oh, good. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. But yeah, that's that's my number two. Nice. Um, my number two uh, is still, I remember seeing this scene in, and it's interesting because we've been talking quite a bit about Batman v Superman. Um, so my legendary moment number two here is from that film. Um, 
but I remember when I saw this scene in the trailer, I think it was the first full trailer for Batman v Superman. Um, yeah, when I saw this happen, it just, for me, it personified who Batman is as a character. And I know that Zack Snyder gets a lot of flack. I understand people's criticisms with him. Personally, I really like him as a director. But even with the criticisms that people have, you cannot deny the fact that he is excellent as a visual storyteller. He can make such great things happen on a screen. He can tell you a story just by showing you visuals. And I feel like this scene in particular personifies it where you see Bruce Wayne running into the rubble of the um, the destruction of the city as Superman is battling Zod. And I just feel like it embodies everything that Batman is in a two minute sequence as he's making his way in as, you know, Superman and Zod are just flying through buildings and things are just just getting destroyed everywhere. People are running for their lives. People are panicking. He's just, he's got this stern face on and he's just making his way. He's the only car that's driving towards the chaos. Eventually he has to get out of his vehicle and he just decides, well, I'm just going to run. And he just runs straight on into the rubble uh, to try to save whoever he can. And I just... That is an embodiment of the character to me, and I'm so glad that Snyder did that. I'm so glad that he brought Bruce Wayne into this DC universe that way. I thought that was the perfect way to introduce him. So when I think of Batman, and I think of Batman in movies, and I think of all the past Batmen, and then taking into account what happens in Batman v Superman and the way he's reintroduced that way and the way that, you know, you kind of have to separate all the other incarnations, right? And how, for me, I remember seeing the very first, like the first photo of him in the Batsuit, right? And Mm -hmm. it looked phenomenal. Like he looked absolutely pitch perfect as the character. At that point, um, not to sound weirdly pretentious or anything, but I, I just... I didn't care about what the story was. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was already over the moon at the fact that this version of Batman was going to be meeting my favorite version of Superman. So from the go, I was already set in stone that Affleck was going to be a fantastic Batman. But the yeah, scene the scene that you just mentioned, the fact that he runs into this rubble, and even in the Ultimate Edition, I don't know why they cut it out. Well, I know why they cut it out, because they're dumb. But they, they cut out a scene where he puts a kid back in the line, too, when they're kind yeah. of... Mm-hmm. going away from from the destruction and you know he even saves a kid from a falling building and he says yep. you know we're going to find your mom and then she points up after he asks where your mom is and you see like the destruction it's like dude you get like this version of batman's kind of past the point of like you know his own optimism has just been deteriorated like he, he's mm-hmm. lived in a world in a very real world, a very world that is almost reminiscent of ours in some way, but now his world has just been f- collectively flipped and turned upside down because now there is an overarching being that can level their world. There are beings that have fought on their planet and have made it known that they are stronger than what they have known previous. Mm-hmm. And it, it is changed. It is it is an alter... It is like a, a, you know, a paradigm shift, as said in the movie, yeah. right? Like, so... 
this is a older Batman, right? And people want to com- wanted to complain about that. I find that really funny, and they're they're totally fine with a seventy year old Michael Keaton Batman. That's a totally oh yeah, they're over, they're over the moon to see Keaton in in a movie again. But even then, that's a whole different conversation. Regardless, yeah. like you know, th- th- <laughs> this is a Batman who you know people got hung up on the fact that he was old, and it's just like no, there's a little bit more to it than that. Like he he's he's seen some shit. Like mm-hmm. when when the description came out that he was like veteran and grizzled, you'd almost and jaded. You know he he had to have seen like you'd have to imagine like that that kind of history that comes with like that kind of characterization of Batman. It's gonna leave some some trauma there to some extent yeah. or another. And then when it's what I found just absolutely really smart and playful with the emotions was like Snyder took it an extra step with the whole death of Robin, right? Like, he made yeah. it abundantly clear which villain killed Robin. Mm-hmm. And I love yeah, that. Yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't leave a mystery to it. He, no. he varies, like, Robin's dead, this villain killed him. Very much so. And, you know, people can have their, you know, wine fest, like, oh, boo-hoo, Dick Grayson's dead. Okay, fine, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, heartless me, whatever. I think that was just, just that idea alone, like, you as a father, I can't speak to this, but you as a father, if you lost your child, that would more than likely devastate you going forward, would it not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, to me, when I look at Batflex Batman and he looks up and sees Superman and Zod just going at it, like, not really having much of a, you know, vindication for the rest of the world going on, but at the same time, like, you know, it's a rookie superhero on his first day on the job, right? Like, yeah. Batman doesn't know that. The only thing he's little, he's just like, okay, cool. You're the reason my buildings crashed. Thanks. I'm gonna keep an eye on you now. That look he gives as he's mm-hmm. holding the little girl and he's looking up in the sky, you can just tell that he is forever changed. Oh yeah, like that was almost the push he, not necessarily needed, but the push he received that sent him closer to where Lex Luthor eventually landed him. Yeah. Which is funny to me because people also like, well, how did Lex Luthor know Bruce Wayne was Batman? It's like, look, he's one of the... He's Lex Luthor. Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing. People, those are the people that that don't understand the characters, in my opinion. Those are the people that just look, oh, how did this, like, nerdy dude know, you know, who Batman is? And you don't understand... That's Lex Luthor. He has the power to find that kind of stuff out. Yeah. Either way, though, like, I, I, I think Snyder, I think personally, like, Zack Snyder's probably gotten the closest in terms of, like, adapting a, a comic accurate Batman. Absolutely. And I think Matt Reeves just might pass him up a lap or two. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, you know, that movie is, BVS, is predicated on two of the biggest moments from both Batman and Superman, whereas, you know, you look at the Batman, and you can very clearly see the, you can clear 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 as day see the color scheme from year one. You can mm. clear as day also see the, the long Halloween-ish storyline, and you can very clearly see the Earth-1, year one, zero-year type of setting that it is in. It is very much inspired by comics batman yeah. comics more specifically um you know speaking of batman comics my number one's actually from a comic oh okay and um it's not quite a batman comic but it's a event book little tale called uh, final crisis 
Oh, okay. And it's, to be more precise, uh, Final Crisis, issue number six, where Batman confronts Darkseid. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting, too, because I remember uh, one of your legendary moments, I think, from our first volume was Batman confronting Darkseid in the animated movie. Superman Batman Apocalypse, you're right. So here, Darkseid has nearly brainwashed the majority of everyone, right? But in this... Batman calls him on his scheme and decides to break his one rule of using firearms and decides to use the same Radeon God-killing bullet that killed Darkseid Sons Orion against him. And he does, in fact, land the fatal blow, but he does not outrun the Omega Samption and is presumed dead by the rest of the DC Universe, and thus leading to the iconic shot of Superman holding Batman's charge core, or, you know... What is everyone to believe to be Bruce Wayne's charred corpse? Mm-hmm. And then you get into, you know, Bruce Wayne, the road home for Grant Morrison and all that stuff. And then he travels through time and comes back and takes the role back from Dick Grayson as Batman. Man, DC Comics was fun in 2009 and 2010. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. But yeah, Craig, if you ever get the chance, man, check out Final Crisis. It, it is... It is certainly a, a doozy of the of DC's multiverse. Well, I, I remember I remember that because even though I hadn't been reading the comics, I tried throughout the years, even though I haven't had the time, you know, to just sit down and catch up on all this stuff, you know, you can't get away from things like that. I remember the IGN and a few other websites blowing up because and every article had that that frame, mm-hmm. that picture of mm-hmm. Superman holding his body. So you could not get away from it. So obviously you start looking into it and you're like, oh, wow, Batman, Batman broke his rule. <laughs> and it's funny because I wasn't even, I that wasn't how I was introduced to the concept. I was introduced to the first issue of Batman and Robin Reborn where Dick is the new Batman and Damien is Robin. And I was told that Batman had died in a, in a new event, Final Crisis, prior to this book coming out. So that's mm. how I found out about the story, and this was like my junior or senior year of high school. Oh, wow. So, you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, something like that. Uh, I'm getting old. Yeah, dating myself, big deal. Yep. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so um, my number one legendary moment, completely different than anything we've ever talked about on legendary moments so far. Um, I just have to throw this out because I, I love these little videos so much. It is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but the uh, the Bat Metal trilogy. I love these freaking videos. I went back as I was trying to decide what my number one was going to be. I thought about them and I went back and I watched them on YouTube. I'm just like, I love these things. They're so goofy. They're so, <laughs> they're so over the top violent. But man, as they go on, as there's three of them, for those that don't know, the Bat Metal Trilogy, essentially, there are these YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, These guys, uh, I think they're called Arhi B-E-S, are the, is the YouTube channel. They decided to take, like, um, Batman and his world and his universe, the characters, and they just decided, oh, we're going to make some metal music videos with Batman characters. And the first one is just kind of a simple one. You know, it's showing like a goofy looking Batman. And uh, in each one, they use uh, songs from uh, Death Clock, the yep. 
for the made-up metal band for the Adult Swim show, Metalocalypse. And it just gets, you know, it's goofy, it's fun. And then gradually, as you, the three videos goes on, you see the love for Batman in there. Uh, by the time they get to the last one, Bat Metal Forever, which is my favorite one out of the three, uh, where Batman and all of his... Uh, his family, they are all trying to, for some reason, bring Joker back to life. And mm -hmm. uh, just all the funny things. Like, he goes to... <clears throat> excuse me. He gets, like, the Necronomicon from Evil Dead, and he's using it to try to resurrect the Joker. Oh, excuse me, man. Um, and just... It's just such an homage. There's so many little callbacks to just Batman's history. Um they just do they do such a good job with paying tribute while also poking fun at the characters it's just great little videos to watch and i just i get a smile on my face every time i watch them i haven't watched those in a long time but i might feel compelled to revisit them after this episode is done yeah it's it's great just going back especially like i said the the third one you can tell they've really gotten good with the anime i mean the the animation is good in all of them but you put the animation in bat metal forever which i think let me look here bat metal came out in july of 2014 bat metal returns came out a year later in september of 2015 the final one bat metal forever didn't come out until march of 2018 so eight or three years after the second one and they got so good at the animation. I mean, it is crazy good how much better the animation is in the third one compared to the previous two. And again, just the the amount of fun they have with the characters. You know, you've got Batman with his... He's got these, like, ridiculous, like, puffy lips, and he talks. <laughs> the, yeah. You can tell they're yeah. making fun of Bale's Batman with his voice. <laughs> just... Yeah, I just love them. It's such a good time. The simple videos, only a couple minutes long each. But, yeah, just great, great moments. Hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't even think to put those on the list, but that's a very intriguing one. That's a nice pull. I appreciate that. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. The Batmetal Trilogy, Batman vs. Darkseid. It's not, not a bad, not a, not a bad list. Yeah. Not bad, yeah. not bad at all. Not bad. Not bad. Well, now we got to really figure it out what we're going to do for Volume 4. I know. Shit. Trying to come up with, constantly coming up with ideas. That we haven't done before either. Yeah, exactly. To try to, like, not go back tread. Well, that's the good thing. Like, I've got a whole notepad list of everything that we've done from the first volume all the way till now. So I know which ones we have picked. So if you ever feel like, oh, have I used this one before? Yeah. Just ask me and I'll let you know. I think that's why I chose the Bat Metal trilogy for this one because I was just like I gotta come out with something I gotta come up with something that's just out of out of the realm out of the comics you know away from the movies something that was just really kind of stand outish to me that that was definitely the thing that came to mind. It was a good choice. Yeah, I appreciate that. Good call. Does there is some really interesting animation quality there? And you know the the idea that like. Batman's always been kind of regarded as a metal character, so mm -hmm. the, the idea that he gets you know a little metal music video all to himself is even more awesome. Yeah. To see Damian Wayne just going nuts yeah. as a metal drummer was, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Red Hood as this hardcore bass player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all fun. But you know what else is fun? 
animated series. Yes. <laughs> Particularly this episode of Batman the Animated Series, one of my absolute favorites. And as you all know, for anyone listening along, or if this is your first time listening, we are watching Batman the Animated Series on HBO Max, and I don't think that was part of the thing that is leaving the end of the month so no i hope not <laughs> yeah if it does we're gonna be pretty screwed yeah although i did just see the animated series collection set at walmart for like 40 bucks so maybe yeah. if it gets to that point i might have to do that yeah i'm pretty sure i think i have the first season on down digital download but yeah as a matter of fact that sounds right i'm pretty sure i've got season one on digital download so We'll be fine for the first season, but until we get to the other three, I'll probably wind up buying it too because I've seen it at, you know, Walmart. But no, it's still there on. Uh, I, I, you know, I'd have to imagine that's probably one thing that's probably never going to leave. You would hope not. Yeah, that's the hope. But yeah, I'm looking at it. I don't see. Yeah, it's not on the list for things leaving in February. Cool. Anyway, that said, like we said. We are talking the animated series. We are seeing it on HBO Max in the order we are watching it. And the episode we have landed on next is Nothing to Fear. This is the first introduction of the Scarecrow. Um, and I gotta say, the, the, he this is I think the Scarecrow was the only villain that had like a major rehaul of design over the course of the series throughout the entirety of the series. Because he had like two or three different yeah. looks. Yep. Because in this Which, one, he's got this, like a. This a very, one's he's not he's not terrible looking, but he's not. It's very basic. Very basic. Like like the hood doesn't match the head. Yeah, yeah. Like like his, his scarecrow hood just does not match the shape of his head whatsoever. You gotta wonder. Like that's what I wondered as I'm watching the episode, and then when you finally see him out without the hood, and you're like, "What is happening to your head when you have the hood on? So, Are you suffocating to death?" So when they redid it, a set in whatever episode they because they do they do show him again, like they show mm -hmm. the scarecrow again, they do show a different like face mask, whatever, and it does kind of fit the shape of his head a little bit better, but it's still like you know the kind of same red getup, and it's like eh, okay, you just look like a dude in a scarecrow mask. Yeah, maybe even like a a cheap knockoff of you know Wizard of Oz scarecrow. I don't know. <laughs> But then, like, you know, when you get to the episode in, in the fourth season, which is kind of um, the new Batman Adventures, there's a completely different design for the Scarecrow, and he looks haunting. Yeah. But in this one, we, we, we have to settle for old uh, Earthworm Jim-style Scarecrow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good explanation. Yeah, that's a good description of him. Because that's what I think of every time I watch that episode. Like, he looks like Earthworm Jim. Mm-hmm. The way his head moves, the mm -hmm. way it's shaped. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> oh man but this episode begins off in gotham university because um it, it's it's being plagued by robberies vandalism and summer gleason's interviewing some professor and bruce wayne happens to also walk into this this elevator that they're in and for whatever reason this this professor just starts grilling wayne and trashing him and saying that his his actions as a jet-setting playboy have like tarnished the, the family name of the waynes it's like yeah, and I think he even goes at one point, he's like, thank God your father isn't alive to see you. He's like, dude, what is your issue with the like, Waynes? Like, Holy have crap. Some, like, have some respect, dude. But uh, meanwhile, while all this is happening, 
good old Earth, I mean Scarecrow, decides <laughs> to crash through the main gate with some armed goons and, and gas these police with the fear toxin. And this policeman just gets just, uh, <laughs> what's funnier is like, you know, the policeman starts freaking out, acting like he's got spiders on him, and the goon is like, huh? And the scarecrow, oh, yeah. it has to like berate him and like yeah. let him know like, oh, he's, he, you don't know what arachnophobia is, how dumb are you? Like he, he legit berates his hired henchmen. Mm-hmm. He kind of gives me a little bit in the, in a way, this scarecrow kind of reminds me of the Riddler. He, he looks at everyone as like intellectual inferiors. Yeah, there is a little bit of, um, cause the scarecrow isn't really like a, you know, he is in like the Riddler in that regard. He's not very physical. He's very much more mm-hmm. of the mental enemy, I would say. Yeah. But as this episode progresses, you know, Batman kind of, Bruce sees this, changes into his Batman costume, goes against him with a gas mask, but then, of course, Scarecrow gets him with a train gun. Yeah, and Bruce gets his first hallucination. He sees Mm -hmm. his father in the fire, and basically he sees this image of his father basically saying, like, you're a disgrace. Like, look at what you're doing to the family name. And you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) That's a bit brutal. Yeah, you'd have to imagine some of the words from that uh, that professor is probably really sticking to him, and that would probably be, at that point, that, that would probably run through his mind. One of the worst fears he probably could have would be, you know, failing his parents' memory. Mm-hmm. But by this point, Bullock is hassling Batman until Gordon arrives. Scarecrow tells his henchmen the reason why he has it out for the university, which I think is also rooted from some of the comics, too, because Scarecrow, Jonathan Crane was a professor at Gotham University. He taught a lot of um, fear-based um, He was fascinated, yeah. fascinated by what fear does to people. He was also fascinated with the human mind and how the, it worked from a psychological perspective as well and how you, how our fears, you know, what's the right word I want to use here? How our fears altered our living and how mm-hmm. our fears would alter our lives. Yeah, and at one point he says something along the lines of, like, he wants to show the university the true nature of horror, which is, I love that quote. Which, I feel like maybe maybe there's a way to do a version of the Scarecrow in another movie somewhere down the line. It's been almost, shit, it's been almost 20 years. Yeah, since it's he was crazy like to think about that. Legitimately a villain in a movie. Yeah. So, that's interesting to think about. Um, all the while that Scarecrow is, like, you know, kind of getting his confidence, Bruce is just an absolute terrified mess in his cave. Trying to figure out what the Scarecrow is, or who the Scarecrow is. And while he's doing that, uh, this scene was really trippy. I had forgotten about this scene until I rewatched the episode where he's watching the news report and all of a sudden the news reporter starts talking about how he failed to capture the mm-hmm. scarecrow and then he starts like she almost starts berating him that was that was kind of a trippy scene i had forgotten that scene entirely which is all reinforced by alfred being a great supporting system when he comes mm-hmm. up and reassures bruce that like you know this is only just the toxin speaking like your father would be proud of you right yeah 
So at the university, there's being banquet. There's a banquet being held. Scarecrow gasses it. Batman comes in to attempt to stop him, but the people succumb to this toxin and overpower Batman long enough for the Scarecrow to escape. Scarecrow takes to a zeppelin. Batman pursues him, fights one of the goons on top of the zeppelin before it crashes. And this is also another moment where Batman kind of has to get over the fear. And but mm-hmm. this is also the moment where we get the iconic line delivery. Yes, one of the best lines of all time. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. And he just gets over the toxin. He gets into the Zeppelin. Scarecrow tries to get another dart out, but of course, Batman lets shields himself with a goon to get hit. <laughs> yeah, that part I liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he uses the goon as a shield. That's pretty awesome. And getting kudos too. Again, this show does such a good job of its animation. The whole action sequence between him and the goon fighting on the zeppelin mm-hmm. that was really impressive you got to remember this is like early 90s same year i was born 1992 again it's dating myself <laughs> insane that like animation of this caliber was on a, a little cable tv show that is pretty insane to think about isn't it like the the amount of detail in it and the way the camera moves around with them you are getting like these little these animated episodes are just like little mini movies mm-hmm. and after batman saves that you know former professor who was <clears throat> trash talking him earlier the zeppelin crashes batman cross references some of the information from his analysis figures out scarecrow's jonathan crane figures out where crane is gets him with his own toxin who proceeds to see an angry bat before jumping into Batman and mm-hmm. Batman turns him into the GCPD while then paying respects to his parents' grave with two roses. What an episode, man. Yeah, absolutely great episode. And actually, I think it's the first episode so far in the, in the order we've been watching these where in the episode you hear the Danny Elfman Batman theme, which is... I think so. Man, and you throw that theme into anything, you just immediately get a swell of energy. That is such an uplifting and just energetic theme while also just having this sense of just tension about it. Mm-hmm. I, I love the Elfman theme. Yeah, I mean, outside of the Scarecrow's kind of Earthworm Jim look, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, still, I still find that funny. I think, uh, I think as far as a rating system goes, uh, Bat Wings, I'm going to go ahead and give it a four out of five nothing to fear i would say it is it's still to this day one of my absolute favorite episodes it's very close to a five for me i think i'd have to say like a four and a half okay i, I just i love this episode okay so we're at a, we're at a four and a half out of five and a four out of five for nothing yep. to fear that is the 10th uh, episode here on the hbo max listing our next episode is uh be a clown uh, i know uh, exactly yes. which episode this is yep i know too uh, judging by the title, it's pretty easy to figure out who the villain is. Poison Ivy. <laughs> Bane? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, friends, it's the Joker! Yeah, I know I know exactly what episode that is. I'm excited to revisit it. Honestly, it's it's one I remember very fondly as a kid. Like, Me too. Having, having that one come up quite often. Yeah. Uh, but after Be a Clown, we'll be seeing Appointment in Crime Alley, uh, POV, and The Clock King. Those are our next th- four episodes. So Be a Clown, Appointment in Crime Alley, POV, The Clock King. Just letting you all know. 
what our plans are. But uh, as for that, as for now, this is kind of where we're going to, you know, maybe put a pin in it until we decide to record a next episode, which soon, I'm sure. Cause, oh, know. one would hope. I Actually, while we were recording, I got an update that they're anticipating another major snowstorm to hit next week. So I am, yay. Oh, cool. Wonderful. Well, you know, just to think of it this way, if, if, if the snowstorm pans out, you get another mini vacation, you get more time, yeah. just kind of wait out for the Batman, you can watch year one, maybe, if the yep. internet doesn't cut out. Uh, yeah. No, nah, man, you'll be fine. I'll just sit in my living room and go, the Iceman cometh. I should hang up on you right now. <laughs> I should just I should just end the call. I should just walk the away right now. Man. First Gotham. <sighs> then the world. Ah. <laughs> uh, memories. You can't see it but my hands are in my my hand is in my face. Right <laughs> so just <sighs> If there's a Batman movie that I just can't that one you know it is interesting as as i listened to that episode uh, about two weeks ago and like we started off kind of just throwing jokes here and there and like having fun with it as we were getting near like the hour mark and we started realizing holy crap we still have another hour of this movie to go it really started to break down and then the real hate for the movie started to come out and then the more like how did this happen? Why was this chosen? Who decided to do this? And just uh, it just broke down more and more as the episode went on. <laughs> Such a great time. You know, I thought <laughs> I had I had I had slotted out and you know censored all the f bombs. I went back yeah. and listened to a recent. <laughs> no, I missed one, and I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> yep. But hey, you know, I, I went by the rule. You only get one. Yeah. Y'all get you, one. Y'all got your one. That's it. No more. Which apparently, according to the Batman's rating, it has its one in there somewhere. Does it? Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, it's rated PG-13, and uh, something I saw something along the lines of, like, there is one use of, of the F-bomb in there. So I'm curious to see who's going to be the one to say it. Well, probably not Batman, because that'll piss a lot of fans off. Oh, yeah. Batman doesn't kill people. He doesn't say swear words. He's a good boy. You know what? Before we <laughs> sign off, let's let's have a little rant about that, okay? Yeah. Because that was something I actually heard. I shit you not, Craig. Someone, really? some I shit you not. Someone, I shit you not, Craig. Someone was like, "My Batman doesn't swear," and I'm like, uh. "Let me get this straight. Your Batman isn't an adult." <laughs> yeah, for like, real. What? Batman oh, doesn't man. swear. That's that's a, that's a new level. I mean, I, I get the argument for uh, you know not having him kill, but everybody's got to drop some swears here and there. Come on oh, now, B Batman doesn't say the f word. It's like, uh, are you writing Batman? No. Okay, don't. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you're not mature enough to understand that even Superman would probably drop an <laughs> F-bomb yeah. at some point. Come on. Like, let's be real here. Yeah. These are, these are, you know what? <laughs> the energy is just, uh-uh. I'm the goddamn Batman. <laughs> right. Like, that's been said. I've seen Batman say bullshit. 
I've yeah. seen Batman use other profane language. Like it, it's it's really not out of character. Yeah. It's not. So Man, I didn't know we were back in the nineteen sixties. Jeez. I don't know, old chum. It's starting to look that way. That's the kind of person who back in the day freaked out when they said damn for the first time on Gone with the Wind. <laughs> oh my lord, he said a swear. Dude, I'm going to be so not surprised when the Batman comes out and there's just a ton of sh- ton of stuff in that movie, right? That clearly might homage earlier things or might even, you know, hint at, you know, past like it, it very well just might, you know, take inspiration from past iterations, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he says he's not going to kill, right? Like okay, I'll hold you to it. Yeah. But if a villain dies by some kind of indirect oh yeah association that it, all bets are off the table yep but you know remains to be seen again you know we're like three weeks away from that movie we'll be here to talk about it I'm sure oh yeah that's gonna be an episode whoo unless Craig gets snowed in that week uh, which I will I'll trek through the snow knock on wood there <laughs> no I will if if it if we get snow on that day I don't care I'll take my little Kia I'll drive through that snow I will get to that premiere I would almost say bring your daughter but I feel like that movie might scare her you know I was debating it um, and I do have her that week but luckily I do have an arrangement set up to have her watch because I, I was thinking about it but it's just like ah, she's she's she not, just turned she just yeah. turned nine she's just starting to kind of start to get into like superhero stuff like she's just recently starting to get exposed to um she's been watching all the jurassic park movies oh okay so she is getting in there but i just i don't know i i the trailers and i'm just like ah this might be too much for her oh speaking of jurassic park did you see the dominion trailer today yes i was a little disappointed um just in the fact that at the end of the last one i kind of got giddy of this idea of like dinosaurs running amok and i almost got this like vibe of like a hoping for like a post-apocalyptic jurassic world you know where like the dinosaurs have kind of like taken over and have like you know ransacked our cities and stuff doesn't really kind of look like the case but eh, it still looks like it'll be entertaining you know i was on a stream before i got to recording with you and we were talking about you know, Jurassic Park and the franchises as a whole, right? Like, mm. I kind of look at Star Wars, Batman, Jurassic Park, a lot of that stuff. I kind of see it in a, in a pizza kind of sense. Best way I've heard it. Thanks, Ray, from Flightcast. Uh, <laughs> Ray, Flightcast from Fans Without Borders. He's probably the one I've heard it say the most. Um, essentially, franchise, if you really love something, like so much, like, for example, Star Wars. I love a lot of the Star Wars movies. I mm-hmm. think all of them are equatable to pizza. Even bad pizza is still good on a bad day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for me, I, I I look at Jurassic Park the same way I'd look at Star Wars, the same way I look at Batman, the same way I look at Spider-Man or something. I don't know. But, you know, I've never had an issue with any of the Jurassic movies, you know, be it, you know, one, two, or three, or even the Jurassic World films, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the the most recent one before this one, before Dominion, Lost Kingdom, Fallen Kingdom, Fallen Kingdom. There we go. It's dark. It's a dark Jurassic Park movie. It is. 
it's a very gruesome. Gruesome's not the right word. It's a very dark. Dark's the right word, right? Like it's it's it does some things that kind of take that franchise in a bit of a direction, and I can understand why a lot of people were not happy with it. I do. Yeah. But at the same time, like I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I did that, too. I know that's kind of sacrilege to say, I guess, but nah. I mean, I like the first one a little bit more. Like a like. Jurassic World. Right, right. Yeah. Like that one that one was fun. That one was definitely, you know, revisiting the wheel but giving it the updated shine that it needed, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But Fallen Kingdom <sighs> There are some choices in that movie. And that's the best way I can say it. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an archaeologist and I really liked dinosaurs and I really just kind of liked this awkward you know the ones that weren't vicious you know the, the omnivore dinosaurs you could you, yeah. you had this feeling you could just kind of like walk up to them and maybe pet them or something right like you kind of got that feeling mm-hmm. when i watch fallen kingdom and i see dinosaurs dying by lava and or i, or I see a guy yeah who's got like a neck a necklace of dinosaur teeth i'm just like this is kind of mean yeah and <laughs> i know that's yeah. I, I know that's super weird to say because we're yeah. talking about dinosaurs here on a Batman podcast, but yeah. that's just something that I took into consideration that I never thought I would take into consideration. And then I think about something like Batman, and I think like, you know, how Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are very drastically different opposed to, you know, Batman 89 Returns or even like the trilogy that Nolan did or even, you know, what Snyder did with his two flicks with Batman. And I'm just like, but even still, it's all freaking pizza at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that said, I guess Lost Kingdom or Fallen Kingdom... It's like burnt pizza. Still yeah. rough. Still good. Yeah. It's fine. But good. Yeah. So Dominion, I was I was really kind of brought back a little bit because obviously, you know, they have the three main characters from the original Jurassic Park flick coming back. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. There we go. Like, that's what I loved. That's what I can't wait to see. That's what people have been waiting for. I mean, ever yes. since Jurassic World, people have been yes. saying, oh, when is the original cast going to come back? And that's honestly one of my gripes with fallen kingdom was they had goldblum in it but he was in it for a scene yeah he was in it he was in it at the beginning and then he had a little quick little dialogue right at the very end and i'm just like guys that was just like ah you teases yeah so I'm, I'm really happy to see the old cast back with the new cast it feels like there's going to be some migration between the two and it's it, mm-hmm. it just looks like a lot of fun so i don't doubt that's probably that's a trailer we'll probably see in front of the batman oh yeah for sure so that should be a lot of fun. Um, I'm kind of maybe anticipating just maybe they drop a Black Adam trailer, but I don't know. I was thinking it's either going to be Black Adam or maybe we get a, a full Flash trailer, like a brand new full Flash trailer. You don't think so? I'm, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just looking at things from the perspective of how have they released promotional material in the past in regards to past movies in the current climate today so that said black adam i think a trailer is possible before batman because once you release the batman your money's made like this fan Mm -hmm. screening that you and i are going to that already sold out yeah you know i got one of the last seats for the showing that i got yeah this thing is sold out tickets are like booming to for Mm -hmm. this movie like i've seen people struggle to get the times that they want to see this movie 
on the on opening weekend already. Like this is going to be, and it's it's going to be a big comic book movie. It's going to be like you know one of the bigger Marvel flicks. It's going to be like Batman v Superman. It's going to be of like the Avengers in terms of release. Like people are. It's going to be like Spider Man No Way Home. Like people are going to go see this movie opening weekend. Like that yeah. much is fact. How much and like the rewatchability factor in terms of longevity and also like how long it's going to like how long people are going to keep going to it is going to be determined solely just on the merits of the film itself if this movie is as hype as everything it is indicating to be mm-hmm. people are going to keep going to see well, this that's movie the, the thing theater. yeah what is the re the rewatchability how many times are people going to go back and see it now you couple that with the large enough fan base that Batman has on his own accord it's it's looking yeah. like it's going to be pretty easy to promote whatever else you have for the year going forward because the majority of your money is going to be made on this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense then to have Black Adam in there. As long as they make as long as they put trailers in front of it that make sense. Um <laughs> as long as it's not like a jackass situation. I went to go see <laughs> Jackass Forever the other day. Yeah. And the trailers that I got at my screening, the first one was a movie about Channing Tatum and a dog. Oh yeah, this heartwarming buddy comedy. I'm like, that. This is what you're gonna show me in front of Jackass forever. <laughs> I mean, I don't choose the the previews, and I, I'm sure that's mm. a, honestly, you know, I've seen some weird previews in front of films before. Yeah, that I didn't think I would get. Um, I would have to imagine before the Batman, there's a good chance people would probably see uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Probably, there's a chance they might show that teaser. Um, if they do a Black Adam and the reason I think they might do a Black Adam tease is because the movie comes out in July the tail end of July at that it's going to be not quite but since it's technically the same month it's going to be kind of competing with Thor Love and Thunder because yeah true yeah I forgot about that comes out July 6th yeah holy crap I completely Mm -hmm. forgot about that and they haven't done much promotion for it outside of the little tease they offered up in October for Fandom. Mm-hmm. And March, April, May, June, July, that's four months away from release. That is the perfect time to finally drop a first look at that movie. Yeah. Because it, it, it's, it's also the next one on their docket for as far as DC Films release. So... To me, it, it, it just kind of makes sense that if you're going to have a big release like the Batman and you have a lot of eyeballs on those screens, what is the best way to get people to see your first look at Black Adam? Well, there it is. <laughs> yep. Whether or not I'm right, that remains to be seen, but we'll see. And again, you know, I, I really do feel like that if we, if, honestly, if we were not in a still in a pandemic, I think we might we Hollywood might have reverted to some older standards in terms of like promotional footage because usually back in the day it was like five to six months out from the movie's release date that you could get a teaser or trailer. But yeah. Now with things being so open, the internet and blah 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 blah, like they have to keep things have to be kept on a tighter leash. So mm-hmm. to me, when it comes to Blake Black Adam there's like rumors that it could be seeing something on Sunday for the Super Bowl. I don't know. 
I notoriously recall Warner not being too big on promoting anything during the Super Bowl, but since Dwayne Johnson is very much a football kind of guy, I could see him maybe doing something for it. Again, I when they, if you think about it, really, they haven't had a actor to, in terms of popularity, they right. haven't had an actor to the caliber of Dwayne Johnson. Right. Or at least an actor with that much pull in that, exactly know, in that side of entertainment. You know what I mean? Yep. So maybe this might be a you know a change. Um, I almost want to believe that maybe we might see a first look of Kenobi on Super Bowl Sunday, but I'm not holding my breath for it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, remains to be seen. I'm sure we'll figure something out for as far as our next episode goes. We're excited to see the Batman in full. Like it's been a long time coming since this movie has been announced, shot, edited. It's finally time to see it. We're gonna see it. I'm excited. Yep. I can't wait. Well, Craig, this has been a fun last few hours, hasn't it? Yes, this is this has been a crazy episode. We've been all over the place. Yeah, tell me about it. It's going to be a doozy to throw together. <laughs> I'm going to be in here for at least another hour or two, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but that said, my man, I think we're going to sign off here for the evening. Thank you again for always providing such lovely insight on the world of Batman. Of course. Love talking about it. And that's why we're co-hosts, because we can talk about Batman and not really get mad at each other for it. Yeah, we actually, like, get along like, you know, no people should. That's the hope. That's my hope. That people would get along, but they don't, so here we are. God forbid a, a made-up character causes people to hate one another. <laughs> God forbid. Oh, man. You'd be surprised. Uh. Well, buddy... Where can people find you if they already haven't found you on the interwebs? The uh, if you haven't already located me, you can find me on Instagram at Craigie Omega, C-R-A-I-G-G-Y-O-M-E-G-A. And as always, you can follow moi on Instagram and Twitter and Vero as well, just at unfiltered, uh, U-N-P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D-D-D-3-Ds. Uh, you can also follow this show just at T-E-K underscore podcast on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Instagram. Thanks again for listening, guys. As always, stay safe, take it easy, and remember, shine that signal. The Iceman cometh.
Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.